That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are for episode 100 and something. Same old song, whatever that. Does that get us anything? Do we get like a free latte? Uh, I think um, I think that means we get next Sunday off. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's all up our pay. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We want to raise. We're unionizing, <laughs> me and Jake. Uh, so this is the busy time of year. Man, if there ever was like uh, some sort mm. of cap set on working hours for clergy, Come it would on. be, you would all go over it as we head into Holy Yeah, so, basically, basically Palm Sunday. Um, after Palm Sunday, I basically kissed my wife and children goodbye. Uh, till Easter Monday, and so it is. Uh, it's a busy time. Yeah. So, and it's uh, all. It's our second pandemic Holy Week for most preachers because mm. it hit right before. Uh, I mean, it was like Lent three when we all went on lockdown last year. So here we are a year later. Thought we'd all be done back then. We thought we'd be done by now. Easter. Yeah. You know, we, we were like, yeah. So. Anyways, but now we know what we're doing. Now we have yeah. cameras and we know how to use live streaming and all that stuff. So we're, <laughs> and we're all psychologically in a very good place. I mean, physically and emotionally and mentally, I've never felt more rested better than I do right now. I think that's true for all our listeners. I know it's true for you, Jake. I know. Right? Well, I do have, a, I still have my January COVID depression beard going. So uh, if that says anything. Why is your right eye twitching? It's just, it won't stop. <laughs> Are you okay? So, no, I'm, I'm doing, everything's fine. You know what fine is an acronym for, right? Uh, yeah, I know you're about to tell me. I think I've heard it. I think it involves... Uh, it's, feelings anyways, feelings inside not expressed. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. So there's a, You know, um, therapists give their clients uh, these lists of feelings, words, so they can name their emotions, uh, because a lot of people don't really have a good vocabulary for their emotions. Uh, but I saw a funny one. It was uh, like the British therapist version, uh, and everyone is fine, thank you, and you. <laughs> so just moving right yeah. along here. Good. But so, uh, yeah, well, that's our funny way of saying that we know that everybody listening to this is tired and exhausted and we are headed into a very busy time of year. Uh, yeah, but it's an important it's, time it's, of year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and once again, I think that this year um, has reminded us, continues to remind us of our need for a savior, you know, and uh, our need to be saved. And uh and uh, we need a story greater than our own. And so that this, you know, the wonderful thing about Holy Week is, is that we are pulled into that story, uh, God's story. And, uh, and that story is one of salvation that finds its culmination in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, here, here we go. So, yeah. And, you know, one thing I do want to say is first, before we jump in here, just thank you to everybody that's been giving us 
such wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. You are our favorite listeners. And, and just the cool uh, text, too. I just want you. to shout out Sam Owen. And so uh, just such an encouragement. So, Sam, you're our favorite listener you, of all of our listeners. Hands down. So it's amazing. So, but, uh, um, yeah. So what were you going to say about the podcast? Yeah, make sure you follow us. Well, I was going to say follow us, SOS Embird, on Instagram and Twitter, and we will continue to not post things to both of those channels. <laughs> Uh, unless we get a lot, a lot of people, maybe, well, we'll see. We'll see how, we'll see how we feel. We don't bow to you, but uh, but we do appreciate yeah, that's the, right. the follows and the likes <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. We're we, we're busy people. We got a lot going on, but we love you and appreciate all that. So, all right, let's move in. Our listeners are already getting impatient because they're like, I gotta preach tomorrow. Mm. It is the Saturday before Palm Sunday. If that's you, listener, uh, maybe you're stop your rambling. Maybe you're a week, but, so, but uh, but yeah, let's move into give it. Me the so, goods. Th- just for people to to kind of know what this is uh, this is observed a little bit differently in the Episcopal Church if you're not an Episcopalian listening to this. Um, and even within the Episcopal Church, there is some latitude about how we do Palm Sunday, especially in a pandemic. Usually there's something called Liturgy of the Palms, which is right before the main service. And that involves primarily just a reading of the triumphal entry, Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And it's kind of the official beginning of Holy Week, the last week of Jesus's life on earth. And then you go inside the church, often with a procession, waving branches and trying to sing with a huge group of people that stretched out yeah, about over a and quarter And it never mile. works out. It's impossible. <clears throat> but then you get inside the church and then you have your actual church service for which, since the 1979 prayer book, involves, instead of reading just a short gospel passage, when you get to the gospel reading, it's the entire passion narrative, uh, Jesus's arrest uh, and his crucifixion. And it ends. And the reason for that is because a lot of people do not uh, over, well, you know, in recent years have not come to the Holy Week services, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, etc. So it was sort of a way to set up for what was about to happen a week later on Easter Sunday. So you would sort of get all of Holy Week condensed into one Sunday, Sunday yes. of the Passion, also known as Palm Sunday. Yes. So that's where it is. We're actually not going to talk about the Passion narrative in this broadcast because it will be included in our Good Friday, we're doing a Maundy Thursday Good Friday episode that will drop after this one. So uh, we'll get you through Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry part of it today, give you some things to think about, and then we'll tackle that other stuff. And the reason Jake and I are separating those two things intentionally is because we like to push back just a tad against the way prayer book mashes it all together, or the current lectionary mashes it all together. We like as much as possible for Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, to stand alone as its own thing because it has something important to say by itself that often gets lost when you mash it up with the passion narrative yeah. itself. And Anything you want to add to that, Jake? No, I also want to just say that it, it helps to, you know, I mean, I, I get why they do the passion narrative because if you, if you went from triumphal entry right to Easter, you'd think, you know, it's all theology of glory. So, I mean, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, however, I, I, I do think I agree with you. There's a lot, you know, we're being pulled into the last week of Jesus's life and uh, Palm Sunday and uh, the biblical themes that are happening there. I think they speak, they speak, um, they speak to where we're at right now on a number of levels. So why don't we jump in? Yeah, and the whole, well, I was going to say no. the whole thing about Palm Sunday or about Maundy Thursday and then Good and Friday is just what a whiplash it is uh, for the disciples after Palm Sunday. And so Mm. um, in Holy Week, we're trying to help people enter into the week itself and the emotions of that week. And if you kind of skip ahead, uh, you don't 
you don't you don't get the full impact. So although I will say, you know, full disclosure, at St. Albans this year we will be reading the whole passion narrative and all that. And so we're not. Uh, there's only so. Yeah, there's and and Calvary St. George's is not. So, you know, we're we're uh and we've done different things over the years. Yeah, Anyways, so, I'll so get over. I don't have to defend myself to you. I can do whatever actually, I want. Actually, this year for us, I mean, it's completely uh, flipped up on on its head, you know. And so, uh, because because of like you know wanting to keep people safe, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic, all of these different things, we've you know had to we've had to like because we really do Holy Week. I think nobody does it better than us. And uh, <laughs> and uh, um, if you do say so yourself, <laughs> you know, I mean, I did get a James Beard Award, but uh, um. <laughs> for liturgy, I'm totally making that you mean up. You have a yeah, beard. So, <laughs> so, but um, Calvary St. George's Zagat rated one Michelin. Yeah, star. that's right. So, um, but uh, we are just doing we're doing a lot of different things this year. So, uh, and we want to really emphasize this triumphal entry today. So, uh, why don't we start a little bit though with Isaiah 50 verses four through nine a? Don't right, go and past so 9A. just again for our listeners. That will be a reading that typically your your congregation will not hear until after the mm-hmm. liturgy of the palms when you're in the church. So the order that people are going to hear us is triumphal entry, then you go in the church and you hear kind of the background, the the, the prophecy that points to this event in Isaiah 50. Uh, and then you'll hear, jumping forward, Paul talking about it in Philippians 2, and then you'll go back to the Passion narrative if you're doing what is normally done and you're not a Calvary St. George's. But, so beginning with the Old Testament as... <laughs> as we are wont to do, um, we see this prophecy in Isaiah 50 um, where uh, the Messiah is talking um, about the mission God has given him, and the Messiah, or the suffering servant in this passage, is talking about the impact of um, the persecution he's faced. So this is the voice of Jesus speaking Uh, in the Old Testament. And this has these famous lines, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. Mm -hmm. And then a few verses later, therefore I have set my face like flint. And uh, that line is important because Jesus himself, Luke quotes this, talking about Jesus setting his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. That's absolutely right. Which obviously is the day that we are in right now, Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. Yeah, he. I. I think that's absolutely right. Um, so, and Luke trigger. Luke point like Luke really hones in on that. He set his face towards Jerusalem, not because hey, that's just the capital, but that's because where, as it says in the Transfiguration, where he's speaking with Moses and uh, um, Elijah about his exodus, his departure. You know, so this is he set his face towards Jerusalem because this is where. The cross takes place and you see i love how um, isaiah he, right before that it goes um he goes the lord god has opened my ear and i was not rebellious i did not turn backward you know the i this has been the mission since the beginning and uh, indeed jesus is the faithful son um uh, uh this is his passion you know this is where we get the word passion i mean it is it is about him saving uh, the whole world through this insane, insane um, uh, being the living, sa- the, being the atoning sacrifice for us. And there is very much Jesus here speaking, you know, obviously in the Old Testament, but the Messiah speaking of, um, in words that would be echoed thousands of years later when he shows up and. Uh, gives his Sermon on the Mount and talks about turning the other cheek and all of that, because here 
he is talking about doing the opposite of what we would normally do, which is when somebody tries to hit us, we try to cover our face. When Trump, somebody spits at us, we try to block it. And what this says is, I gave my back to those who struck me, I gave, and my cheeks, meaning I turned my cheeks so they could more easily pluck out my beard. I gave my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, which again, Jake should do as his beard is really getting out of control. Uh, and um, he doesn't cover his face from the spittle that is flying at him. Uh, if you've seen Zoolander and you know when um, uh, the act- Ben Stiller and his wife, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, or Ben Stiller's mom throws like an egg or something at Mugatu, played by Will Ferrell, uh, on the red carpet, and he uh, you know covers his face. Uh, that's a normal reaction to when somebody's spitting or throwing something at you. And Jesus's response here is different. And I think the whole idea of this Isaiah passage is that Jesus has this sort of damn the torpedoes full speed ahead moment. I'm here to do what I came to do, which is the opposite of what most most of us spend our life avoiding pain and suffering. I don't want to have that conversation. I want to put off doing my taxes because it's a huge pain. I just basically put off everything I don't want to do. And Jesus here makes a beeline. He's like, let me find the most annoying person in the room and go up and talk to them instead of not doing that. Let me and here, I mean, much more seriously, obviously, he sets his face like Flint. And so this Isaiah passage is a prediction of what we actually see in uh, in Palm Sunday. Yeah, and I love, and also, and also the cross, too. I love how uh, it, it ends. It is the Lord God who helps me, who will, de- who will declare me guilty. And uh, the... Um, and, you know, you have that where he cries from the cross, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And uh, the crowds are like, look, he's calling for Elijah or one of the prophets. No, no, no. Uh, it is, it's the Lord God there who is, uh, who, is, who is with him every step of the way. And uh, it says, who will declare me guilty? Well, the whole world declares him guilty. And indeed, he is guilty because he who knew no sin became sin. Uh, so that we, uh, the guilty ones, uh, may actually finally go free. And so we, Amen. the guilty ones, may actually be declared not just uh, not guilty, but completely and totally innocent. And, um, and so that is, uh, that's an important point if you're going to hone in on this particular passage to zero in. in. Who will declare me guilty? The whole world. Um, God declares mm-hmm. him guilty so that you and I um, might be brought into this story and made innocent. And it's not just kind of God, hey, enduring us, but God is just, as uh, the Apostle John says, to declare us, uh, mm-hmm. gu- um, to declare us innocent. Because, because of Jesus, because of this wonderful suffering servant here in Isaiah. Yeah, amen. And so we come now to the Philippians reading, uh, and uh, this is St. Paul reflecting after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, decades later, writing to the church in Philippi, um, and which he has planted and started and been their pastor. And he's writing to them about the Christian life. And he is saying, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So be like Jesus. And now let me tell you who Jesus is. And then he <laughs> has this poem or song or likely a hymn that, or maybe a creed that was recited by the early church. It is called the Kenotic or Kenotic, K-E-N-O-T-I-C, hymn. Don't tell your congregation that. They will all fall asleep. But it's because the it says he emptied himself, and the Greek word for that is kenosis, and that's a big deal in theological circles. And if you're at the 
SBL or the AAR conference, everybody will know what you're talking about, but not at your congregation. So this this is about emptying himself, and so and being obedient to death, even death on a cross. So that's Paul's description, or putting into words, or writing down something that, that the early church would often say about Jesus's ministry. And of course, coming back to the gospel as we're about to do this passage, this is what it is about. It's about his choosing to empty himself. So in the Isaiah reading and the Philippians reading, both of them, the thing that is underlined, circled, highlighted, and a sticky note put next to it, so you see it, is Jesus's 100% initiative and intention in knowing exactly what he's doing and heading straight for it, even though he knows what's about to happen. This is where it says, he emptied himself. Mm. Um, uh, He took the form of a slave. He is the agent. He is the one that's doing all this. And that's sort of the emphasis here. Um, because I think it communicates so powerfully the, the love of God. This wasn't like Jesus being uh, passive and buffeted about by the, the waves and the wind and just sort of going with going with the flow and, oh, I guess I'm dying for the world. This is exactly what he came to do. Yeah, this, uh, this passage uh, completely obliterates the theory of divine child abuse um, and, right. um, and really emphasizes the importance of penal substitutionary atonement. Um, um, and uh, and really brings it brings it home, and uh, really I think also is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from um, the other religions of the day, and even uh, the religions of our day. You know, the religions of our day and the religions of the day of Paul were all about um, kind of men becoming gods, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, achieving something and striving for something, and uh, you know, even in our world, whether it's like achieving like the perfect body or achieving the you know just the the perfect covid lifestyle whatever it is it's all about um uh, us ordinary people becoming extraordinary and what paul is saying here is let the same mind be in you that was in christ jesus you know what i mean the extraordinary actually becoming ordinary and going all the way to the bottom uh not only Mm. all the way to the bottom as the form of a slave but all the way even further than that um, you know, not only God becoming in human likeness, but to the point of death itself. He goes all the way to hell for you. And I can't help mm. but think of that great song from Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, what goes up must come down. Uh, well, right here, uh, St. Paul is hitting home the gospel that if indeed what goes up must come down, what goes down is eventually going to come right back up. And, uh, and that was Jesus. And now his name is the name that is above all names. And in him, yeah. no matter how low you go, and this is something to really preach as we come out of this pandemic and out of uh, all of this just junk, you know what I mean, going on in our country. Um, uh, no matter how low we go in Christ, uh, we will be resurrected from the dead. Yeah, and the thing that Jake referenced there, the divine child abuse thing, if you're uh, not familiar with that argument against the theological idea of the atonement, what's going on there is, the atonement, substitution atonement, is the idea that Jesus dies in our place, in humanity's place, but very much in your place, that uh, there are sins for which you justly deserve punishment, and Jesus takes that punishment in your place. It's a theological idea that it's very, very, very old, predates Christianity. Uh, the idea that someone else could take your sins away, and it is central to Jesus' own understanding of his own death and sacrifice. It's described in our Eucharistic liturgy in Sunday at St. Albans and any place that uh, has a Eucharistic liturgy, it's kind of a big idea. As St. Fleming Rutledge says, it is not the only understanding of the atonement, but it's certainly 
and and probably main uh, understanding of the atonement. And the criticism against it that Jake referenced is that it's divine child abuse, that God the Father sort of puts punishment on the Son, on Jesus, um, and uh, which gets wrong. It's it, That idea, if that were actually what were happening on the cross, yes, it would be terrible, but that is not what is happening on the cross. The triune God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this has been the plan from the very beginning. It is the whole character of God, and Jesus' willingness and um, initiative uh, taking in this whole thing. He is not a passive recipient mm-hmm. of, you know, again, divine child abuse. He himself is, it's a, it's a self-offering um, of, of the Son, the second person in the Trinity, in which all the three persons in the Trinity uh, are participating in this whole thing. So this is the self-offering of God. Um, and just and and it's so yeah. yeah and anyways. to sum it up, as you said earlier in Philippians, look who's the protagonist. Like Jesus, uh, Paul is not conveying Jesus as as victim here, but as the one who is in control and is fulfilling the purpose of his father. And um, and uh, and in f- the fulfilling the purpose of his father, uh, he is vindicated in that work by being risen from the dead and now given the name that is above all names. I mean, his name is greater than the name of Yahweh. Uh, You know, uh, not every knee will bow to the name of Yahweh. Not every tongue will confess the name of Yahweh. But most certainly, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the name of Jesus will be confessed by everyone. And to many of us, it will be the greatest confession in the world. And to others, it'll be um, agony. But nonetheless, um, it is the case. Yeah, and I think, you know, for people who are listening to this who, who maybe went to a seminary or had a church that was very down on the atonement as an idea, just remember, usually they're rejecting an idea of the atonement that is not actually the That's one right. contained in Scripture. And um, the atonement, the idea that someone could take your place is a beautiful, amazing, and loving thing and is what God chooses to do for you. Just as, you know, there's, we do this in our human relationships all the time. <laughs> Uh, if somebody's got a difficult situation and they can't they can't go to the the grocery store because they got the flu and their kids are going nuts, you might be their substitute and go get the groceries for them. Uh, in in sort of Hollywood movies, it happens all the time. Uh, Tony Stark as Iron Man, you know, takes the brunt of the power from the Infinity Gauntlet. It sounds so stupid to say out of the context of the movie. Basically. You know, he he offers himself uh, as a substitute and gives himself for the whole world, as does Vision, by the way, earlier in that whole uh, Marvel Avengers thing. But uh, we, I mean, as Paul Saul used to say when people would criticize this idea, but don't 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 you wish you had a substitute? I mean, think about the thing in your life you don't want to deal with. Like, don't you wish somebody would do that for you? I mean, like in every aspect of our life, we wish somebody could take our substitute, like be our substitute, and then. Here, Jesus offers it to us, and we're like, no, we'd rather take the heat ourselves. Yeah, I went to the dentist today. Perfect example, you know, and I mean, I, I am <laughs> terrified of the dentist. And, um, and uh, you know, had a, had a good checkup this time, first time around. They were like, do you, do you floss? And I was like, yes. And uh, I did floss a little more this time around, and it paid off. But, but the whole time, I had just such agony. Um, brag. Ha- yeah, such agony about going to the dentist that I wish I did have a substitute. And who could go in and have the perfect teeth that I cannot have. So, Yeah, Jake, actually, he only has one real tooth in his head, listeners. True. Uh, they're all made of wood and, uh, horse. and, um, and glue, horse teeth. I think. They're yeah. horse teeth. 
<laughs> but they look they look surprisingly good. He just so. can't actually eat any solid food. So uh, now backing way up to the, uh, the the gospel reading from the liturgy of the Palm. So now talking about Palm Sunday, we've saved the best for last. The actual triumphal entry. This is Mark eleven one through twelve. And uh, it's basically the story of, you know, uh, Jesus, the Jedi, saying these are not the droids you're looking for. But instead, he says, this is the cult I need. And they're like, yes, OK, you can have this donkey. That's totally fine. Um, uh, the Lord needs it. And they're like, OK, take the donkey. Yeah. So they find it. Wow. They get the donkey. Jesus gets on the donkey. They put cloaks on the ground. They spread branches. Not actually. The word is not actually palms. It's they spread branches on the Isn't road. Isn't it pussy willows? Um, don't even say that. <laughs> You're not even allowed to say that. That's the big thing in Russia. They use a uh, pussy know, but anyway. I so. know. I know. Okay. I know. Yeah, and a lot of churches actually use those <laughs> no. in their decorations. And they then they sprout, you know, they, they bring forth leaves. I actually have a anyway, coat so. that has them on it. And everybody's like, are those yeah. lips? So, but, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly derailing. Okay. Uh, they... <laughs> I wish Jake had a louder laugh. He goes like his whole body shakes, but it makes no noise. Okay. Uh, so Jesus enters on this. He's sitting on this donkey. And there's a lot of things going on. We, like, this is the only time most people, modern people today, hear of anybody entering a city through a gate sitting on a donkey. Like, it has no cultural resonance for us whatsoever. One, our cities no longer have walls. Nobody rides a donkey. Uh, but this is basically... Uh, it, you know, in our context, a ticker tape parade. It's just as arbitrary to go down Fifth Avenue in New York and have people throw tiny bits of colored paper on you. Like, why does that mean victory? We don't know. We just do it. So why does it mean victory to have branches on the you know road and all that? Well, we don't know. They just that's what they did. I mean, basically, streets were nasty and. Uh, we roll out a red carpet for celebrities. This is sort of rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. Again, why is it red for us? We never ask that question. We just know what it means. Um, it's sort of these arbitrary things. Here, it's, it's cloaks and clothing, outer garments, and branches they put on the road for Jesus to enter in. And he's seen as a victor who comes in peace. A donkey is a peaceful animal, not a horse for war. Um, and, you know, there was an, an analog here in Roman culture when a when a military leader came home victorious from a battle, he was given a triumph, meaning he that's that's what the word meant. It meant to enter the city in a procession, leading all the people you captured and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and so Jesus here enters triumphantly into Jerusalem, and everybody would have known this meant he was going to kick the Romans' butts, and he was going to take his throne as the king of David and turn over a new leaf in Jerusalem. But that's not what happens. But how would you make that relevant at all for anybody in your congregation, Jake? What would you say pastorally, personally, in your preaching to the people? Well, there's a lot to be said. First of all, I think it's, you know, kind of the crowd. It's just total chaos. And uh, once again, this, um, I mean, if you really wanted to make this relevant, I mean, this is not a sophisticated uh, East Coast urban types uh, here at the rally. I mean, this is this is folks coming in with some magna, magna hats. I mean, you may not like it, but this is the country folk coming out, and um, and uh, this is this is totally, totally. If you are trying to hold a country together, and you have Caesar coming in the other side about the same time, uh, or uh, not Caesar, but Pilate, 
uh, Caesar's representative. I mean, this is bad news. And uh, people are like, what the heck? And now they are hailing you. This isn't, this isn't just out of the blue. Um, Jesus is doing something very specific. He's fulfilling prophecy, which they all knew. And, uh, and he's coming in and, uh, and they are hailing him, the king of kings, basically. I mean, this is, this is a very, very chaotic and out of control scene if you're watching this in one of the authorities of the day. This is Brexit happening right before your very eyes. What are you doing, Jesus? You are inciting something insane. And, um, and, uh, it's more like storming of the Bastille. Like it's, this is, like this, this is a powder is, keg is, that could blow at any this moment. Is, this is intense. And especially, I mean, I love how historians have said that, uh, uh Pontius Pilate would have been coming up the same way, uh, through the gate on the opposite side of Jerusalem from Caesarea Maritania, because they were coming up for Passover. Just, they always did that to say, your God may have done something in the past, but, uh, let's just set the record straight. Rome is in charge. And uh, so you've got this whole thing, and it's completely out of control. And uh, but Jesus knows exactly what's happening. You know what I mean? This is all him laying laying himself aside. And uh, and uh, you know uh, this is Jesus is in total control. And uh, you know what this yeah. means is is that in your life you you're projecting a sense of control. But the fact is, is that your life is chaotic. Uh, the fact is, is that you're having trouble with, you know, your wife because you're all living together 24-7. You're having trouble with your children because it's just not working. You, um, you are uh, behind closed doors, extremely, extremely lonely, and nothing is working out. But you're projecting control. But this is where the gospel actually meets you, is that the one who is in control, uh, although it may appear chaotic, uh, meets, breaks right through our control and brings peace to our chaos because he is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is the one who is the great David. Uh, Jesus is the one in whom we can sing Hosanna in the highest heaven. Yeah, and I think the thing here too that I underline for folks is Jesus enters into Jerusalem triumphantly with people that in a heartbeat, if he had said, pick up arms and let's go storm the, the Antonia Fortress you and bet. let's go take down Pilate and let's then we'll then we'll march wherever else next to, to take over. Um, they would have done it and he and but instead it's so anticlimactic. He went to enter <laughs> Jerusalem, went to the temple, which is right across from the Antonia Fortress. Uh, it's still a hotbed today. Like you can't even you can't if you're on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the you temple go it doesn't security. even exist anymore because the Romans destroyed them. You have to go through security. And if you're there and if you close your eyes for longer than a just a blink, people will think you're praying, which could be that which could actually incite a riot yeah. if you're a Muslim or if you're a Christian, uh, or if you're a Jew. There's always gonna be somebody who's up there that will be offended if you try to pray at the Temple Mount. And so, um, uh, you can't even close your eyes. There's soldiers there watching that you do that. So Jesus goes to that very spot, which is still a hotbed today, and he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he looks around at everything it says, and he just goes goes out back out to the suburbs, out to Bethany with the 12 for dinner. Um, and what's amazing about this on so many levels is, to Jake's point, human beings always want to take control and fix our problems through earthly means. Everybody around Jesus wants him to take control and fix everybody's problems there through earthly means. And uh, the thing about earthly means is that they only go so far. They never solve all your problems, and you're still left alone at night. 
with mm-hmm. your conscience, with your sins, with your problems, with the parts of you that you can't change. That's right. I was thinking the other day about how many diet plans have existed since, let's say, 1955. Mm. Think about how many exercise programs. I've you know done those about eighty of them. Strap on your. So. <laughs> I know you strap on your hips and they like vibrate yeah. you. They it looks like. Uh, anyway, the 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 um, uh, from Jack Lalane to Richard Simmons to Jane Fonda to all the Peloton instructors now, uh, the all the different plans, all these different things, all and I just talked about this because it's it's probably the thing that our listeners are most familiar with: attempts to get control of your life, your appearance, and all that. And the fact that they don't work is evidenced by the fact that there's all these new ones all the time. Anybody still doing PX90 or whatever that was? Uh, P90X. We've all moved on. Yeah. P90X. Or uh, remember... We've all moved on. Sean T was a god for a while. Not to be confused with Sean Norris, but Sean T... Or Ty Yeah. Um, and uh, you remember him in Insanity? I used to do that uh, That one. Yeah. 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 Till I, till yeah. it caused me to so, have sciatica. But anyway, that's all right. <laughs> my whole point is none of this works. Like, I had so much turmeric this morning in my antioxidant smoothie. Uh, I ran three miles, and I'm still a sinner who's got all kinds of issues. So my point is that Jesus knows that what we actually need, as, as important as earthly things are, and those things do matter, and, uh, you know, eat more fiber, people. But ultimately, like, our problem is so much deeper, and Jesus enters Jerusalem. He does not pick up the means available on an earthly level to make any sort of change. Uh, and instead, he will ultimately intentionally enact the events that will get him killed, because what he is here to do is to offer himself, again, as a sacrifice for you and for the whole world to solve that those those deep, real problems, the ones that you can't That's fix. That's right. I'm so impressed you had turmeric in your smoothie today, Aaron. It's a good place Dude, to live I like, off. I buy it in bulk on Amazon. I just like pour it in there. <laughs> My family is so grossed out when they watch me drink this, but I do. I do. Anyways. Well, well you'll live hey, forever. anti-inflammatory, so, baby. But not because of that. So, um, if, if we had so sponsors, well, until next time, we have a tune in. Tune in to uh, Same Old Song Monday, Thursday, Good Friday coming up uh, shortly. We'll see you then. And God bless you as you preach the triumphal entry, people. Hosanna. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.